may have noticed in our theme this morning of worship that the word Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening so to our today, Southern this Cast. Morning, I don't know what you Baptist thought, but Church. if you thought bad things, you, the altar will be open. But the H word no one wants to hear is holiness. And that is what we're talking about today. You see, while you may become frustrated and disillusioned by the the falseness or the, the fakeness of those who claim to believe in Jesus, but yet don't act like it. Take a moment to evaluate your own heart, as I have to do when I go through this. Are you concerned for the way others, including yourself, are presenting Jesus? Or are you jealous that your peers are enjoying all the things that the world has to offer, but still claiming to be right with God? The one word that makes the difference between real and fake when it comes to our spirituality is holiness. Are you pursuing holiness, my friends? Am I pursuing holiness? Although holiness is a word that modern Christians shirk to the side, it is a vehicle that will propel us into the life God has for us. You see, every Sunday, churches like ours are filled with worshipers like you and I in this very moment. Churches will be filled with people that are not perfect. You are not perfect. I am not perfect. I understand that. Some people are seeking to hear God's word, and they are there to give their times and talents and their tithes. But some, quite honestly, are just there to be seen, or it's what they always do. Regardless of where you are in your walk with today with God, my friends, God demands the same from you. Whether you've been walking with him for one minute, or one century, or decades, whatever. A refusal, folks, let's check this out. A refusal to live a holy life as God designed will always leave you unfulfilled and frustrated. So we must not give in to the failure in our attempts to live a holy life. It's almost like when we become a Christian, somebody tells you that this is the bar you have to keep. And after you try to jump that bar a couple of times... You say, well, I'm never going to get it, so I'm just going to give up. That is not what God wants us to do. You see, the word holy is not an unfamiliar word for those who have been raised in the church. But maybe not so much for those that were not raised in church. At the time, or at the minimum, man knows holy as a descriptor for God. If I were to say, give me some words that describe God, many of you would say, he's holy. Many of you would know what that means. And many of you probably would not know exactly what that means. You see, we sing the songs and we say it in our prayers. And most will agree that God is holy. But the problem is that we begin to choke on this is when we see that God's will for every believer is to be holy as well. Let me ask you something. When you describe something or someone as holy, who or what do you think of? If I, were, if, I were, if I didn't know anything about Jesus, I didn't know anything about the Bible, and I said, huh, this word holy, what, is that, what does that mean? Well, the concept of holiness may seem like an outdated church word for this generation, but when some hear the word holy, they think of priests in elaborate robes with big hats chanting Latin phrases, and they think that's holy. Others think of those people who think that they're better than other people. Oh, they think they are so holy. And it's not a, a descriptor of something positive. But the word holy occurs in the Bible over 600 times. 
And in the book of Leviticus, it is devoted to that subject. So if you go in the first part of the Bible in the Old Testament, a lot of the things that Jesus said and the apostles said in the New Testament came right out of the book of Leviticus. And I know if you're like me, when you're reading through the Bible and you start at the first of the year and you get the numbers, oh, all these numbers. And then you get to Leviticus, oh, I'm drowning. And then finally, you press on and you get through this. But... Here's just a a quick thing about holiness. God is unlike any other. We see that from Hosea 9. His holiness is the essence that uh, if you take everything that God is not like, He is a sum of all of that. He is very being, is completely absent of even a trace of sin. This is why holiness is so important. I'll just put it as plain as I can. God does not tolerate sin. How do you know that? Because when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for his sins, and your sin and my sins were placed upon him, God, the Father, could not look at his son because of the sin that was in his life. In the Old Testament, when priests would try to enter the Holy of Holies where God was, They would die if they had sin in their lives. And so why do we as believers think that we can just keep a little bit of sin for ourselves? I was talking with a friend the other day, and and we were talking about uh, some struggles that that parents have and and all of these things that go on in today's culture. And and it's true. I, I know I sound like an older person, but kids go through more today than they did yesterday. Thank goodness we didn't have social media when we were kids. Thank goodness we didn't have cell phones with cameras when we were kids. But the thing is, is that the hard part about Christianity today is is there are many that are within the church that are acting just the same as those who are without the church. There is no difference. There is no desire to be holy. Why should we be holy? Because God expects us to be holy. God expects you to be holy. We see in 1 Peter 1.16, and I'll show this verse to you on the screen. It says, for the scriptures say, and again, this is 1 Peter, but he's quoting Leviticus, what I told you about earlier. In Leviticus 11.44, he said, you must be holy because I am holy. Why do we believers need to pursue holiness? It's because God is holy. Period. That's it. That's why. If we say we are loved by God, if we say we want to be saved by God, we want a relationship with God, we need to be like Him. He expects that. What does it mean to be holy? The term holy actually means to be set apart for God's purpose. You see, as believers, we need to be set apart from the world. We need to be living by God's standards, not the world's. God isn't calling us to be perfect. He's calling us to be different. We see as we jump into our scriptures this morning, the first one we're going to look at is Romans 12, 1. If you brought a copy of God's Word, you can read it there. Or if you have the Bible app, the outline is there. Or you can just look at the screen. Romans 12.1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be, and here's the underline, a living and holy, living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. 
For those of you that are the King James Version folks, that same verse says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Here's that word again. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, or another word would be rational, service. So, where does holiness begin? Does holiness begin when we, we decide, well, you know what? I'm not going to have that second helping at lunch today. It may not be holiness, but it's probably wise. What is holiness? Where, where does it begin? We see here that holiness begins with our will. Paul here begins this verse by appealing to the will of people. He's saying, look, I beseech you. I urge you. I want, you, I want, to, I want to encourage you to do this. The, because our human will, you realize we do not want to do what God wants us to do. That is that it's against our nature, against our sinful nature. So if we want to pursue a holy life, it's going to take a decision of our will to do so. So to walk holy begins with the will. But you say, well, you know, preacher, that's, that's pretty hard to do. Yeah, I struggle with it too. And, and my friends, if you're struggling with your will to serve God and be holy, that's okay. Even Paul the Apostle struggled with it immensely. You want to talk if you want to if you want to read a Bible passage that if you're struggling with something and you want to especially with sin and you think that nobody understands read Romans seven where Paul says what I want to do I don't do and what I don't do I want to do. I just I find out that there's this this thing inside of me that makes me want to do bad but because of Christ I am no longer a slave to that holiness begins with our will it begins with our personal conviction. To pursue God's will. What is God's will? That, that's why especially children and teenagers and young adults are struggling so much today. is because somewhere along the way we decided that this Bible here was not absolute truth. That you need to live by a hashtag on Twitter. Or you need to live by a thread that's on Facebook. Or you need to make a meme your life goal. But folks, you know as well as I do, those things change every day, every generation. If you don't believe me, go back and look at your haircuts when you're in high school. Things change. God's Word does not change, ever. We should want to be holy in response to God's mercy. And also, we see that when we are holy, we see... That this is a result of God's mercy. We are justified from the guilt of our sin. We are adopted as children into God's family. And when God looks at you and He looks at me in the midst of our grime and our dirt and our sin that has been forgiven by God, He doesn't see all of the weight of all your sins. He sees the forgiveness of His Son, Jesus Christ. But you're saying, but God, I've done all of this stuff. He says, I've told you in my word and I'll tell you again. It is forgiven. Look, my son died for that. My son died. My son, who was holy, became unholy so you can be holy. He talked about being a living sacrifice. What does that mean? That basically means make an effort to be holy. Just make an effort. 
I am so happy that football season is around the corner. Amen? Can I get amen on that? Hey, all right. Some of you could care less, and that's all right. But I'm excited about it. All of the off-season work is now going to be what has prepared the teams for this season. You see, a school can give a coach, a training facilities, uh, uh, tools to, to help them build these teams. But it's up to the athlete of the team to run the race. It is up to the athlete to execute the training and the plays. So what does an athlete have to do? Many of you are athletes, or not many of you, some of you are athletes. Some of you used to be athletes, and you know if you do it right, you do it light. If you do it wrong, you do it long. That's right. I don't know why I still remember Coach Sylvie telling me that, but you can learn a lot in 7th, 8th grade football, I guess. As I digress, the point is, is that as an athlete, you understand that you can't always eat what you want to eat. You can't always sit on the couch and watch binge watch one other series of a show on the TV. You can't always just do like everybody else and, and just veg out because you know you've got practice in the afternoon. And then after that, if you want to keep your, your sports up, if you want to keep playing, you've got to keep your grades up. So while everybody's on call of duty, you are a call of doing your homework. It takes sacrifice. You look at all of these great athletes that are, are at the top of their game. It's not like all of a sudden, poof, they just became big. All of their life, training after training after training, led them to this point. They put in the efforts. And my friends, there are so many Christians today that are not putting even the slightest bit of effort into being holy. They just want to sing the song and say, holy, holy, holy. But yet when it comes to their choices and what they're thinking about and what they're doing with their bodies and what they're dwelling on is nothing having to do with God. A living sacrifice means that you are actually making an effort to live a holy life. Well, how do you become holy? Well, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22. Through 24. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. And this is a whole, a whole section about living as children of the light. But this one section it says in verse 22, Throw off your sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So when the Scripture here says to throw off, or some translations say put off, that means that you are, you are throwing off your old sinful nature. That's the thing that, that they say about prisoners is the first thing they tell someone when they get released from prison, is to get out of your prison clothes and to get into regular clothes. Because that way, if you're still in your prison clothes, even though you're outside of the bars, you still feel like you're, you're incarcerated. Put on these clothes to represent your freedom. 
And so, my friend, if you and I are continually running back to the graves of what we used to be and continuing in the sinful things that we used to do that no longer give us the same fulfillment anymore and we keep running back to those things, we are no longer putting on the good clothes that God has for us, but we are wallowing in the bad clothes. There's something about when we, when we dress well, we feel better about ourselves. A student or teachers, don't tell me, y'all don't still think about, what am I going to wear for the first day of school? I'm going to walk in, ha it was on sale, you know, whatever, and you walk in, and some parents are going, oh, I'm just going to put them in a potato sack and send them, I don't care. But the truth of the matter is, if, if you're dressing and, and you, you put some effort into that, sometimes it, it gives you a payoff. Maybe it's a good suit for Easter. Or just like, I know those that are, are serving, whether it be in military or, or first responders, I do know that, that when you take, you take your clothes and then you put on your, your uniform or your protective clothing, all of a sudden it's almost like a, a, a switch flips and you go into work mode. But I'll go ahead and tell you, there's one thing I cannot stand. And it is, some of you will know what I'm talking about, but I know as a firefighter, sometimes our gear will get wet. And after it gets wet, it gets stinky. And stinky and wet are not two descriptors that you like. And then what is worse is that when you take the stinky and wet stuff off and you take them off, whoo, it feels so good. And then you don't have a chance to wash it. Before you know it, the pager goes off. And you got to put that stuff on again. Oh, and you realize how cold it was and how stinky it was. And then you're miserable later on. This is exactly what's happening here. When we go back and we put on the stinky stuff that we used to do as a Christian, it ought to make us repulsed at that and it ought to make us not want to put on those things. But too many times Christians are saying, oh, I'm going to be a Christian and I love this. Everything is great, but I'm not going to give up what I was saved from. That is the opposite of holiness. If you throw off your old way of life, notice what it says in verse 24. If you throw off something, you have to put on something. It says in verse 24, put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Folks, we need to quit letting our former lives pull us back into what we used to be. And we need to live in the power and the glory of the holiness God has given to us. Because holiness is basically walking in obedience to God. Every athlete is not going to win every event they compete in. Victories are rewards of effort, training, and obedience, but sometimes it's just that's the way it happens. Failures move us to keep pushing. So, my friend, don't, don't hear me preaching today. That, well, you know what? I'm going to rededicate my life today, and I'm going to get out of here, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to take on hell with a water pistol. And then you go out and you go out to eat and the waiter doesn't get your order right and all of a sudden you're thinking bad things again. Oh, that didn't last long. You know if you're trying to live a holy life and you know if you're not. And the thing is, so does God. And then we see holiness means taking personal responsibility. Look at Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 through 5.
Do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Then he says, Jesus says it pretty blank here, point blank. He says, hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. I think that that passage is true, but I always laugh because some of you heard that and said, "Uh uh-huh, I know who this is for. You're already looking at the the log in somebody else's eye. I'm going to tell them about this passage, preacher. I'm going to pull it in my Bible gun and I'm going to shoot it at them and let it get them. But the truth of the matter is, that's not the purpose of this passage. If you read that passage and the first thing you do is think about the sin of somebody else, then you have totally missed the reason Jesus even said it. He wants you to be holy. He doesn't want you to worry about what other people are doing. He's wanting you and Him to have a relationship. He's wanting you and Him to be closer in your relationship. He's wanting you to take advantage of the sacrifice that He made so you could be holy before God. You see, your process of becoming holy begins with you taking responsibility for your sin. Get rid of the victim mentality. Don't get me wrong. There are things that happen to people where they are truly victims. But just because something happened to you doesn't mean that that has to define you. Sin must be taken seriously. We really become good at rationalizing sin and placing it in different boxes. We might say, well, you know what? I didn't say that. I didn't say a lie. But did you tell the whole truth? No. I didn't want to hurt them. Well, no, that's not. It never worked. If you've ever said, I don't want to tell somebody the truth because I don't want to hurt them, then you have just lied again. We do not tell people the truth because we don't want to hurt. Well, it's just a little half-truth. It's just a little gossip. No, it wasn't a gossip preacher. It's just a prayer request. Somebody told me, and I just thought I'd share it. I tell them all the time <laughs> on Wednesday night, they would begin to share prayer times. I say, okay, is this prayer request or gossip? Which one is it? So I know which one, to, what, what column to put it in. They say, oh, it's not a bad habit. It's not hurting anyone. It's hurting you. And if that bad habit is hurting you, then it's hurting your family. It's hurting those around you. It's hurting those you work with. But now we're too consumed with ourselves. Oh, it's just a little bit. He's saying, I've been dealing with this for years, preacher. Duh. I don't know about you, but if someone told me 10 years ago, James, you got cancer, I would say, hey, get it out. But no, we just say, oh, it's just a little thing. It's kind of my little pet sin. I just kind of nurse it every now and then. It's okay. It's not hurting anybody. It is. You are not pursuing holiness if you're holding on to sins of the past. The bigger sins, oh, I haven't done anything. Like, I haven't killed anybody, preacher. I haven't cheated on anybody. I haven't, I haven't done any of these big sins, so I'm sure God's happy with me. I have found nowhere in the Bible where there is a level of big, little, and, and, and small sins. There's only one unforgivable sin, and that is to, not deny, to deny Jesus as your Savior and Lord. 
Whether your sin is a small sin, a medium sin, or a big sin. Whether your, your sin is a chihuahua, or is it a lab, or it's a big Saint Bernard. See, I like dogs. I had to work that in there. Well, whatever size your sin is, sin is sin. I've, I've used this illustration before. I, I love, and I'm so glad, just a little plug, our senior adults are going to have their faith fellowship this month. Information's in the bulletin because we get to eat good. Now, these sweet ladies are going to come in. Oh, preacher, here's my, my world-famous brownies. And I'll be like, mmm, yum, yum, yum. It's, oh, it's all right. I just, I ran out of salt, so I just put a little bit of arsenic in it. it, it it's, it's, it's just a little bit to give it a taste. <laughs> oh, boy. Mmm, no. I tell you what, sister, you keep that, and we'll put it in the corners for the rats so they can get them. But why do we in our lives say, oh, Jesus, it's just a little bit of sin I'm not letting go of? Let me tell you what, no matter how big or small that sin is that you're holding on to that's keeping you from pursuing holiness, it is wrecking your life and you don't even know it. It is wrecking your family and you don't even know it. It is wrecking your worldview and you don't even know it. But this passage just said, a sin is a sin is a sin. We are all sinners. Well, the last thing we want to look at today is that Pursuing holiness is possible for you to start today, in this moment. It is very possible. Turn one more place in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. Preacher, we were just in Romans. Yeah, but we're going a few other things. And if you haven't noticed, most of the time when I preach, I do what they call expository preaching, where I just take one block of text and we just roll through it. But today is more of a topical thing on holiness, so that's why we're bouncing between passages. But I challenge you, if you think they don't go together, read them within the context of where they're written, and you'll see that they are exactly on point for what we are talking about. So Romans chapter 6, <clears throat> verse 14. It says, Sin no longer is your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. The law that it's talking about is not the law of the United States of America. It's not the law of the, the Constitution. It's not, it's not those things. The law that it's talking about is the law that you find in the Old Testament. The Old Testament of, of the Ten Commandments and all of the other laws that, that spawned off of those, some 600 different laws. And so what Paul is saying is, look, you are no longer held to those things. You are set free from those things. You are, these things are no longer your master. Remember that earlier I said there's this bar that you tried to reach and you can't reach it? That is what religion is. That is us saying, oh, please, God, let me be as good as I can for you. And you run and you jump and you try to do that for a week or two. It doesn't happen. You say, oh, well, what's the use? That, that, that bar is always there and it's always higher and you think, I can't reach it. That is what religion tells you. That is what law tells you. That is what tradition tells you. But what does Jesus do? Jesus says, look, let me get behind you. Whew. And pushes you way over that. 
It's not about the height that you have to meet. It's about what Jesus can do in you and through you. So the pursuit of holiness, Charles Spurgeon put it best here. There's three things in the pursuit of holiness. The pursuit of holiness is one, a test. It is a test of our claim to be a Christian. If you are a Christian, you are going to pursue a holy life. If sin has dominion over us, we should seriously ask if we are really converted. I'm going to get into the tall weeds here just for a minute. And I probably shouldn't do it here at the end, but I'm going to do it anyway. There, there, here's the age-old question. You know, if we get into our, you know, I'm not judging anybody, preacher, but I'm a fruit inspector. Nobody's called you to be a fruit inspector. Nobody's called you to evaluate everybody else. But there are people that they will raise their hands and they will do all that great stuff in church. And the minute they get out of the parking lot, they'll be doing stuff they ought not do. There'll be some of you in here that, that right now you're tracking with me, but as soon as you get home in that same environment, the same habits and the same temptations, you're back into it. So my question is, someone will say, well, you know, I, I'm good. I have, I have a, a, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. I don't read the Bible. I don't pray. I think it's a personal thing. And, uh, I know my life is not what it needs to be, but I prayed that prayer, so I'm good. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. I always say if somebody prayed a prayer when they were younger, but yet it never changed their life, there was never life change, and there was never any truth in the way that someone lived, I would say, first of all and foremost, evaluate that your decision to follow Christ is genuine. Because if you decide to follow Christ... There is a change in your life. There is a change in your priorities. There is a change in your lifestyle. There is a change in your outlook. If there is no change, there is no conversion. And the test of that is, is that if you are not pursuing holiness, my friends, you need to get on your knees and beg God to show you, is my, is my decision real or did I pray a prayer when the preacher told me to pray it? Because it means no difference in my life. Holiness is a test of our claim to be Christians. It is also a promise of our victory. It doesn't say that sin will not be present in us. Because that will only be fulfilled when we are resurrected by God. Uh, and, but it does say that the promise is that we will no longer be masters of it. Here's the thing. All of us still have that sinful nature that makes us desire to do the wrong things. James puts it best, it says that these evil desires within us attempt to drag us away from what God wants in our life. But as Paul said in Romans 7, I am no longer a slave to that. Here's the bottom line. I've heard people ask this and I've asked people, what were they thinking? Why would they have done that? And the truth of the matter is, they weren't thinking. I wasn't thinking. And the bottom line is you can try to blame yourself or you can try to blame the other person or you can try to blame every other situation in the world. But why do people sin? This may set you free today. Why do people sin? Because they choose to. Period. 
That is why people say, that is why the world is in the shape it is in, because we have a lot of people that are choosing to sin regardless of the consequences. And people give in to that sinful nature. Those that do not know Christ, they don't have a choice. They don't know any better. But those of us that know Christ, it is just a pure, blatant act of heat of the moment, disobedience to God's will. The opposite of pursuing holiness. So here's the thing, folks. We all pursue something. What are you pursuing? If you're pursuing the wrong things, it's going to lead to making wrong choices and putting you in wrong places. But if you are a Christian, you can be promised that you are not a slave to that sin. And then third, it is an encouragement for hope and strength in the battle against sin. God hasn't condemned you under the domination of sin. I mean, this would be a terrible worship service and a terrible message if I were just to say, you are condemned to be a sinner. That would be kind of, you know, bad. And if I spent the whole time telling you how rotten of a sinner you are and telling you how rotten of a sinner I am, we all have sinned and fall, not fell, but fall short of the glory of God. Some of you have sinned even while you've been in here. Some of you sin when you're trying to get the family ready for church this morning. Some of you may sin when you go home. I may sin when I go home. But the good thing is, is that that's not the end of the message. The end of the message is this, is that if you pursue holiness and you mess up and you choose the wrong thing and you go against God's will, there will be judgment for that. But Jesus has set you free from the penalty of that sin. Just as the opposite is true. Instead of choosing sin, you choose holiness. Then you have better responses, better circumstances, and a better frame of mind. Look, this is not a self-help course. You can do everything right and follow the will of God and pursue holiness and still have horrendous things happen to you. Just ask a martyr overseas that loses their life because they stood for Christ. Jerry Bridges wrote a book many years ago called The Pursuit of Holiness. And he says, no one can attain any degree of holiness without God working in his or her life. But just as surely no one will attain it without effort on his own part. If I could just bottom line it here. The pursuit of holiness, the H word of holiness, begins with you. And it is just putting in the effort to be holy. And the good news is you're not in it all alone because Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, will help you to accompany that. I'll leave you with this slide. God gives you his best to be your best. You give God your best to be and represent his best. That is what holiness is. And as we come to our invitation this morning, this may be awkward, but Donna's not here to sing. I'm just going to have Trista play just as I am the track. And we'll have, we'll let it play for a verse or two. If you know it, I mean, who doesn't know just as I am? Sing it. But if God is working with your heart and you want to make a commitment to, to renew your pursuit of holiness or maybe you just want to join this church or, 
or there's uh, something God's doing in your life that you want prayer for, this invitation is a time for you to respond. So would you please stand as Trista plays that song.